You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. The goal, the destination, it's a forward-looking statement, but can we get to the, the old market cap high of everything we own is 10 times higher than today's market cap. So there's your delta. There's a tremendous amount of value that's to be captured and we can unlock that. A little bit with the copper price rising, a little bit with hard work and a little bit of success in the drill bit. I'm Bill Powers and this is Mining Stock Education. Thank you for tuning in. In today's show, we're going to be doing a company profile interview with its CEO of Copper Bank Resources Corp. This is a stock that I own because my friend John Fennick of Fennick Consulting, who is a frequent guest on the show, has been recommending it uh, to me personally, as well as on the show. The ticker symbol in Toronto is CBK. And on the OTC for American listeners, it is CPP. KF. This is a Copper Junior. The website is copperbankcorp.com. The founder and CEO is Gianni Kovacevic. And I had a nice about an hour talk with Gianni uh, recently. So even though I'm a shareholder, I got to hear his passion, insights, plan for the company and uh, was impressed with that. So I'm bringing him on for this profile interview. He's also supporting the show as a sponsor. And in about two weeks or so, I'll be doing a webinar with Gianni and some others. And in that webinar, Gianni will be talking about the macro fundamentals of copper. And this is something that he often uh, keynotes on at many uh, conferences. So this is an area of specialty in addition to leading a junior mining company. And you'll be able to ask Gianni on that webinar more of the nitty gritty questions about the project or company that we won't even delve into as much in this interview. So with that being said, Gianni, welcome to the show. You're an excellent promoter. So why should I buy your stock? Well, that's the, that's the, that's the question that everyone listening to your program, uh, they want that answered right away. We like the theme of copper with its role in electrification. I used to do a lot of... Um, let's say convincing on that. I think that's pretty clear that people can buy into that whole wave of electrification. And I believe copper is going to surpass its old all-time high. Any commodity that flirts with its old all-time high, I don't care what it is, from hogs to logs, you end up in a mania phase. We are very close. Copper was printing $3.72 a pound, you know, in a very contemporary uh, sense the last couple of weeks. Copper Bank is a, is a junior that a retail investor can buy to have a broad exposure to this commodity with a tremendous amount of torque per share. There is underlying base value with the projects that we acquired. And now my technical team that has in excess of 300 years of collective experience, we've been looking at how can we enhance the portfolio by making the projects uh, bigger, looking for uh, higher grades, and of course, moving it down the, the, the development arc. So here are the numbers. Let's get right to the numbers. The market cap of Copper Bank is about 25 million Canadian dollars. Okay, so what do you get? What's the upside? To give people parameters, we bought projects from people that capitulated in the bear market. They didn't want to keep paying their property payments. That's where we came in, but we did not want to get diluted into oblivion. We said we will manage these projects like owner operators will be very mindful of dilution. And then when the market normalizes, we will move them forward. Okay. 
they spent, the previous operators, over $120 million drilling, land procurement, um, holding costs, metallurgy, uh, various economic studies. So we, those projects have been de-risked by those funds. So it's reasonable to, for me, as an expectation that one day, at least that value should be um, attributed to the market value of the company. A second uh, measure, very important one. Well, if we do get strong copper prices once upon a time, because everything I own was stock listed, what was the market cap high of the entire portfolio? The answer is over $250 million. So is it plausible that if you end up in some kind of a very um, ebullient or euphoric copper market, that the things we own could have that kind of market cap again? Now, that would be a 10-bagger from where the share price is today. So that, that's your baseline value. But we believe that there are numerous areas that we can significantly enhance the value of these projects. Uh, one of which, the, the, I guess the biggest fatal flaw for these projects is they do not work at 250 a pound copper. They're not economic. They are also at $3 copper, but I don't lose any sleep at night, Bill, because of that, because the world's largest integrated miner, BHP, tells the industry that 75% of all the development copper projects in the world do not work below $3.50 a pound copper. That is why you're having this big ramp up in the copper price to incentivize a potential future production. So what we can talk about looking at the nitty gritty, I'm gonna share with people that we're gonna be driving a tremendous amount of news flow, technically speaking, on our portfolio in the year 2021 and, and that we'll be driving that news uh, every month all the way through to uh, work all these various initiatives that we've been working towards to do exactly that, de-risk and enhance the value of these projects. And the timing, I think, is very good. You can compare Copper Bank to any other junior. And I think people can, can very quickly see that this is a fantastic way to speculate on the delivery of what the work we're going to do and the copper price. And there's even a royalty angle, which we'll talk about later, which is just sitting there like low hanging fruit in the company that um, you know is worth more than zero. But we'll talk about that at the end perhaps. So how would you describe yourself and as an entrepreneur and a financier in putting together this company? Well, I followed commodities. Uh, I opened my first account in 1996 to give people context. And I was born in Vancouver and it is a world capital of people that speculate in junior mining shares. and. You know, unfortunately, when you get these uh, euphoric markets, a lot of uh, shady characters get involved, um, but real money is raised. And sometimes the, these people get lucky and they drill holes and they do different things. And when there's another mania, they just get out of that and they get into something else like cannabis or, or crypto or whatever it is. But you, you go through a few cycles, the ups and downs. I understand that I embrace that volatility. And to answer your question the long way around, I am an investor like everyone listening to your program. Uh, we looked at the, the last bear cycle. I just explained that we bought things at pennies on the dollar, which we, we see that they're going to be worth more in the future. But like Ben Graham, the, the, the value investor, the intelligent investor, a brilliant man with his book that, that's famous. It's the favorite book of Warren Buffett. And he always said, I am a contrarian. I buy from pessimists and I wish to sell to optimists. That's exactly what we did 
in this counter-cyclical during the bear market. We bought what I believe are very well-situated projects. And now as a little bit more greed comes to the system, by us enhancing the value and showing the evidence, the science on where we can enhance this portfolio, we will be active partnerships or out and out divestiture of our projects with all the different mechanisms we have. And I've always stated this, and I'll say it again for your audience. I am working very hard to provide a return to my shareholders outside of share price appreciation. We have many tools in our kit bag in Copper Bank where, yeah, it's possible someone knocks on my door and buys the whole company. Probably not going to happen that way. What's what more plausible is someone's going to say, I would like that exploration project or I want that development project. Will you partner with us? We are fair partners. I am an investor. I am obviously not going to be building these mines and I can't eat my shares bill. We are all in it with equity and all the financings that we've done to maintain these properties, every single one of them, you can do a, you can do an audit on how we raised money, who put the money in. They were always done at a slight premium to the market and we did not issue warrants. And I always did that because me and my partners were putting the capital up and we wanted other people Simply, I could say you can participate on your own by buying the stock on the open market. You don't have to wait for some five-year uh, full warrant type deal. We believe that when the market really kicks into high gear, uh, you don't want to have a bunch of cheap warrants holding the stock back. We do not have that in Copper Bank, including the way we've raised our capital. So I am an investor and, and my, my entire team is fully in line with everyone that supported our company so far. So how did you buy your shares and what would you say your average cost basis is, is at this point? My birthday is November 9th. We IPO'd on November 7th, 2014. Okay, so that's six years ago. It was going to be a five-year strategy, but we ran into headwinds with that low copper price. It stayed low. We had this uh, the, the China trade tariff that pushed all the, the commodities down again. And then, of course, we've had this COVID calamity that, that occurred earlier this year. So when the market got cheap, I bought millions and millions of shares on the open market bill. That's how I acquired my position. I have seven pages of insider buying. My partners also have extensive insider buying, maybe not quite as much as me. And every single time that we've done a financing, to reiterate, above the market, no warrant, real money. We all wrote checks. And every single time I kept my pro data, so now if you look at who owns the stock, Frank Holmes of US Global and myself are the two largest shareholders of Copper Bank. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for Frank Holmes and Ralph Aldis. They bought their position slowly, slowly, crosses, little people, some people wanted to get out. We would do these things all, all at these low prices. And of course, when the pro rata financings came, they were there to support the company. And now you have this, the insiders, have well in excess of 25% of our share capital. In fact, if you want to go down, not just insiders, but supporters of the company, 50, 50% of the stock is held by tight hands. And then the, we have a, a huge noble list or, or disinterested shareholders, over 1,500 people own Copper Bank shares because we issued shares to buy very established companies. So we have this broad um, holding other than the key members or, or, or the key supporters of the company. So it, it, I would say it's very tightly held. Your ultimate payday then is going to be when you execute on this plan that you've laid out for Copper Bank then, right? Yeah, I'll make that crystal clear. I cannot eat my shares. We are highly motivated to monetize the strategy and move it forward. 
And if we can find these strategic partnerships, we're open to do that. But we know a lot of guys in the business. If you look at my technical team, my group, we are one degree of separation from everyone in the entire mining world. Now, I'm not doing this to be a braggart, Bill. Um, I earned it. My team has earned it. I did the keynote at the famed copper dinner in Santiago, Chile for the entire copper industry. I put 15 years of study into knowing that subject. And when I wrote my book, my best-selling book that celebrated copper and electrification, they invited me to give that very special talk. Now, why am I saying this? I mean this very genuinely. Our group, you could seven technical members over 300 years of experience. We are one degree of separation from anyone who is anyone in the world of mining, from the biggest company to the smallest company. So we are very carefully looking at how we can do this. We can certainly finance it ourselves, but if and when we partner with a group, we treat this like a carpenter mentality. You want to measure seven times, cut once very carefully, because that is how I believe not in it for salary. My team is not in it for the salary. We're all in it for the equity. And that's where fortunes are made. And I do believe that it is plausible that, you know, can we get back to the old market cap high of everything I owned? I really genuinely uh, believe that. And I cannot underline that enough. If we execute the plan, as long as we have positive trades, wins in copper, and I don't lose sleep about that anymore. I believe we have that. And, and money is literally being thrown at juniors. So what did we do? When my stock was 20, 22 cents, we didn't finance. We bought the stock. We bought the stock. We had the pop we were looking for, even though money is being thrown at me. I announced the financing yesterday or on Thursday, January 21st. We are only raising $1,050,000 so we can execute our plan. We have a, a fantastic research report coming out later in February, which is going to get distributed to thousands of investors. And we are actively working boots on the ground in Arizona. The, the guys get there on January 28th, where we're going to look at all these different measures. And I can go over them in a couple, three minutes on the projects. We'll do that later, where for, for tens of thousands of dollars, I can answer many unanswered questions. And we could look at these various areas to enhance the project. Look, what does it look like at different copper price scenarios and the geology? It is such a, such a fantastic location where, where Copper Creek is situated, right in the, in the exact center of the Copper Corridor, which was the world's largest production area of copper until Chile surpassed it. And all of these studies and reviews, we will put that out to the market, supported by research and hard work. We're, 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 I'm burning shoe leather virtually by, by doing calls like this, introducing the story to people. And when I'm ready to drill, if we do indeed drill later this year, I'll do it at that time. We're not going to over dilute the strategy um, until we see that the, there's been some sort of recognition or appreciation for the work, the very hard work that my team is doing. So what do you expect to be the main catalyst then? If somebody buys your stock as a result of this call, will it be the exploration drilling or do you think it's going to be the optionality aspect of a rising copper price? Well, that's, that's a pretty profound question. And the answer is there's about five or six reasons why, why our share price would appreciate Number one is simply the optionality with the copper price going higher. Every 10 cents that the copper price goes higher, because we do have historical economic studies for both projects, the net present value, um, it goes up by every 25 cents, I should say, it goes up by $300 million. It's a huge amount of torque, right? These projects, the studies were done in 2013. They're historical. We don't consider them contemporary, but they were done to a 43-101 standard. Um, 
they were used, the, the copper price they used was 320 and 330. What do they look like at 350 or 375 or $4, right? That's optimization and sensitivities that we can look at. We also have right now, uh, uh, the, looking at Copper Creek specifically, there were before, when you, you had byproduct credits, they, some of these things were not um, either, they were assayed but not included as a value driver. Now we have uh, some of these uh, semi-precious or rare type elements within the deposit. We're looking now, how, what would they do to the economics if they were included? The historical studies were done at lower copper prices, but now if we start having a higher threshold, can we bring in more resource? But here's the, here's the, the home run to, to establish baseline value. So we bought Copper Creek from Red Hot Copper. Red Hot Copper's previous market cap high was 160 million. It is located at the exact geographic crosshairs of the two major mining trends in Arizona. Now I'm talking about the one that goes north, northwest, Resolution and Ray, and the other trend that goes northeast towards Miami Globe. That happens exactly at Copper Creek. The result of that is we have over 400 hydrothermal breaches that create these high-grade fingers or high-grade pods, and below that was this historical uh, 1 billion ton resource to, to establish value. So what we want to do is, and, and, and this is to be very clear, only 40, 40 of the 400 breaches have been drilled. There is a tremendous amount of drilling that still needs to occur at Copper Creek. So we are, the theory is that if we go and do this work, have the evidence and, and look at it and, and have various layers of corroborating evidence, this should result, as per my press release one week ago, in a initial 15 to 20 hole drill program with shallower holes where we start to look at near surface resource at Copper Creek to bring in additional um, enhanced resources to what is already one of the largest copper porphyries in the world. You can compare Copper Creek to, and there is a, a list of the 50 of the largest undeveloped copper projects in the world. Copper Creek is in that, in that bucket. Um, two thirds of those projects are owned by majors, by the way, Bill. So how many juniors have a project of that size? We also like um, the location for another very important reason. And I'm working hard uh, with certain groups to, to really drive that value. Major mining companies have three choices for their growth. They have to go to three basic uh, geographic areas. One is at elevation. I'm talking about the Andes in Peru, uh, Chile, uh, Ecuador at three and 4,000 meters. While you have to pay for everything, the, the, the water, the power, you got to float the teams, in, uh, fly the teams in week in, week out for the life of that operation. That costs money. The CapEx for those projects, before you even get to the mine, you're talking one, two, three billion dollars. Their other choice is to go to AK-47 protection countries. That's just the reality is that the copper resources are not unfortunately in perfect places. Now, if you wanna pay for that, if you wanna have that risk exposure, that's their prerogative. Or they're gonna to have to go to established, well-known, everyone's already there, copper mining camps. In Arizona, I can tell you this is the number one existing copper camp in the world. That is where major mining companies want to have future business. Their, their workforce wants to be there. They can raise their kids, watch their children's soccer practice at the end of every day. The three towns that are associated with Copper Creek 
all have to do with copper mining. We are in Pinell County, which caters into the Copper Corridor, not Pima County, which is closer to Tucson, Arizona. And that is something where we, we, we firmly believe there will be significant interest in not just for our project, but for people that do have projects uh, in that part of Arizona. So there's all those different reasons where we can, we can rely on the existing baseline. Copper price rises, it just makes the projects more economic based on those historical studies. We can do the work and enhance the value. We can also do optimizations on those historical um, economic studies. And then we can also look at um, the partnerships or how, how on a very dilution friendly way can we move this forward. And the, and the, the, the goal, the destination, it's a forward looking statement, but can we get to the, the old market cap high of everything we own is 10 times higher than today's market cap. So there's your Delta. There's a tremendous amount of value that's to be captured and we can unlock that a little bit with the copper price rising, a little bit with hard work and a little bit of success in the drill bit. But we're, we're, gonna, we're looking at doing all three. Gianni, you're a contrarian and you're a financier, as you've already mentioned. So a sophisticated investor of which many are listening to us would say, that's great, but I want to know a little bit more about the divestiture in 2013 when you picked up this project. Was there a fatal flaw or some hair on it that perhaps could be a hindrance to your advancement in the future? Yeah, that's a very good question. So if it's so good, or if I'm telling you this, the projects are so interesting, why did they, why did they sell them to me? Well, we'll start with the first, pro the first portfolio we bought. They didn't sell. They partnered with me. They said the, the, the major shareholder was a lawyer, an 88-year-old lawyer out of Vancouver, Canada, a very fine gentleman. His name was Arnold Armstrong, uh, who passed away, sadly, one year ago. But he basically said, we will put our project in with your strategy because it'll be dilution mindful. And they got equity. In fact, they were the largest shareholders. They got stock. They had belief that those projects eventually would be developed. And then with the, the Copper Creek project, something similar occurred. The holding costs for Copper Creek were 675,000 US dollars per year. That's a lot of money for a junior to pay. It's a million dollars Canadian. They had to raise year in year out. So some of the key investors had suggested that, look, we own a bulk of the stock. We like your dilution mindful strategy. If we were to take a partnership sort of um, concept where we put in the project for shares, not cash, we'll wait it out with you. And then collectively, we could see this uh, when, the, when the copper market normalizes, you, your technical team um, can then move it forward. So it wasn't a sale. And I do believe, no, I bought that in the summer of 2018, at really on the dark, dark days. Remember the, after the trade tariff came in, it was, it was ugly. You couldn't raise money. So we, we did this, a partnership. We, we issued shares, but first I had to negotiate. I did not want to pay $675,000 a year. So collectively with the previous management team, we went to the underlying uh, landowners and it, it's very simple. The holding costs are now $125,000 and the land has been put in that we are the owners of most of that property. So it's, it's either at, on, a, on an Arizona state mining claim or private real property that we own. In fact, we own over 10,000 acres of real property between Nevada and Arizona, including a development, uh, our headquarters, it's a building with a compound, we own it, there's no mortgage on this stuff. And we did this by making a couple of deals. One was Freeport McMoran, where they get a small royalty. Now it's in an area that does not have any resource yet, but that's how they get their money back. And with BHP Billiton, they had a, a small piece, 
And the underlying property owners, it was as a family that gets paid every year until the year 2037, we pay them $50,000. And then in the year 20, 2036, they get four lump sum payments, but, but it's, it's a property acquisition to be clear. So that's my whole, I got to pay them 50,000 a year for, for up, up until 2036, very manageable. And that's when we executed. And then we started measuring, we started looking at where we can enhance this project. And I can tell people, uh, the reason we're starting these work programs is because we believe there's a treasure trove of areas where we can enhance the value of Copper Creek. Boots on the ground starting next week, lots of news all the way through, uh, through the spring. And it's not gonna cost a lot of money. So that's where this, there's the million fifty thousand that I announced um, uh, on January 21st. Going to keep that open for a couple of weeks. This is not investment advice, but it just happens to be a live ball. Um, the stock is trading higher than the, the financing of, uh, now because there's so much demand. But um, people should take a, take a look at our, our website and take a look at some of the, uh, the, the claims that I've made. And if they, if they feel that a $25 million market cap for, for what we own um, is interesting, they can call me or contact me anytime. I'm available. I work 24 by seven. Sundays are fine uh, for now because it's the work we're doing. And my, my email is gk at copperbankcorp.com. And my phone number, they can, they can get also once they admit an email, we can do a, do a phone conversation with anyone that's interested. Excellent. I'll put that information in the show notes as well. The website is copperbankcorp.com. Ticker symbols again in Canada, CBK. And on the OTC in the States, CPPKF. As I mentioned in my introduction, I will be doing a webinar with Gianni upcoming in about two, two and a half weeks. Information on that is in the show notes. If you want to learn more about the copper markets, the macro big picture, as well as be able to ask Gianni uh, the nitty gritty questions about his company and projects, please do sign up for that. Really appreciated you having on the sh coming on the show today. Thank you, Gianni. Well, I got one more thing to, one more thing to leave it off with. Sure. We want to talk about Copper Bank Royalty Corp. So go for it. Let's imagine we're able to move the portfolio forward. We don't have a royalty on our Nevada project called Contact. And we don't we have a royalty opportunity at Copper Creek. So we have an organic ability to create a royalty company with those royalties. I don't, I don't imagine that I would sell the projects royalty free. We can keep that. And we have metrics now because a couple of companies have went public and we, we have uh, comparables. They're buying royalties, uh, 0.5 and 1% and 2% royalties. Nova Royalty is one example. It's got a $300 million market cap and look at what they're buying. I have some of my, um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, technical guys doing comparable slides what would a 1% royalty on both our projects look like? What would a 2% royalty on both our projects look like? And if I was to segregate that, put that over here, maybe we can join forces with someone else. Maybe we could lead the charge. We have an organic royalty opportunity just sitting in Copper Bank. And it's a little bit serendipitous that Frank Holmes is my largest shareholder. He wrote the first check for Franco Nevada. He knows a thing or two about royalties. We're looking at that very carefully. There is a lot of value as another business unit. So we have exploration projects, we have development projects, but we also have this, this royalty thing that we're looking at. I've done two press releases on it. People can look forward to that in the future, but don't forget about it because I think the market and the industry needs because of this huge wave of electrification and copper gonna be an important story for, the, for the, really the rest of this decade, we want to have that as well. 
and I cannot eat my shares. I want to monetize these things, Bill. I cannot stress that enough. But people should look at that as well. That's It's worth more than zero. I just want to leave it off there. Excellent. Thank you for coming on today's show. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts it might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.